0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to Out in the Universe. I'm your host, Dark Vet. Thank you for tuning into this radio frequency for episode 6. Today, we're going to question the ancient idea that everything is energy. We're even going to touch on how our bodies generate their own magnetic fields, and how those fields interact on levels that some can actually perceive. Just a note for those who may be uncomfortable with the topic, and pardon the pun, but we're going to touch on sexual energy as well and how this relates from a spiritual perspective. As a reminder, the views contained herein are my own. If you haven't already and would like to, please take a minute to check us out at our host site, as well as find where you can stream us at anchor.fm/slash out in the universe or on our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash out in the universe podcast. If you'd like to reach us to send us feedback, comments, suggestions, or topics you'd like to hear us talk about, you can reach us at out in the universe podcast at gmail.com. Please leave your agendas, your preconceived notions, and your biases at the door and enter with an open mind. No agendas. No BS. Let's head out into the universe. Everything is energy. Everything. Keep that thought in mind for a few minutes and let me elaborate. So while mainstream science may not necessarily believe this outright, quantum physics certainly does, as do some ancient spiritual traditions such as a few in the Far East and India. Hinduism calls it prana, or life force. Traditional Chinese culture calls it ki, while Taoism calls it chi. Greeks know it as pneuma, or mana in Hawaiian culture, lung in Tibetan Buddhism, and Manitou by some Native American cultures. The concept of everything originating from energy has been largely pegged by Western society as New Age, more likely because it's actually new to our culture. But given those cultures and traditions that I just listed, it's clearly a concept that predates our modern Western society by many thousands of years and is truly a global idea. But why? How did it become a global idea? Friends, when I see concepts and ideas like this, which are talked about by many cultures the world over, and that predate our modern society, it really makes me wonder. What did or do they know that we don't? What knowledge, spiritual or otherwise, did they have or do they have that we don't? Apparently, a lot of these more ancient cultures know a great deal more than we do, especially when you look at it from a spiritual perspective. Almost as if to be a curse of Western society, and this is not a diss on modern Christianity by any means, it's just some historical info, Medieval Christianity and Catholic ideas are really what led to things like the Spanish Inquisition and the forced conversion of many, many indigenous cultures to Catholicism and ultimately Christianity. Now, these acts in and of themselves were largely responsible for the burying and or subsequent destruction of tons of our historical knowledge as a global people, especially of our spiritual knowledge as a global people. But honestly, it's not just Catholicism and Christianity which are to blame here. The common thought goes that if you control a culture's history, you control their ultimate destiny because it causes them to lose track of who they really are and where they really came from. Does this sound familiar at all, friends? I mean, as a culture, we don't know who we are. We don't know, as a global people, where we really came from. That's a total mystery to us. Conquering armies of all sorts for as long as there have been people warring on this planet have usually taken to some kind of historical, spiritual or cultural destruction and ultimately a forced assimilation of sorts through all kinds of varying means, and often it was because things were either deemed heretical, ungodly, primitive, or any host of other reasons. It really all boils down to control, but that's a whole other discussion for another time. The point is, we really don't know how much of our historical knowledge and spiritual knowledge as a global society has been forcibly suppressed or destroyed. We don't know, although my guess would be a great deal especially with regards to spiritual energy, the energy of the universe, and the energies of who we are as spiritual beings having a human experience. It has been suppressed in various names for various reasons, but it's really been since the advent of technology over the last 100 years that links us together more readily as a global society that we've really begun to hear about a lot of these ancient ideas, without control rhetoric that has been there for many, many centuries. Friends, the veil is breaking down all around us, and the true light and the true universal love and energy of the whole entire universe that is outside of Earth is beginning to finally shine here on us. It's... I can't even tell you how amazing it is. Things are gonna get worse before they get better, but getting back on track. As Johns Hopkins University professor Richard Con-Henry stated in his paper, The Mental Universe, quote, the universe is immaterial, mental and spiritual, live and enjoy, End quote. Albert Einstein even stated in a 1948 film called Atomic Physics, when I'm asked about his famous E equals mc squared equation, that quote, it followed from the special theory of relativity, that mass and energy, are both but different manifestations of the same thing, a somewhat unfamiliar conception for the average mind." Most throughout the world today still highly regard and accept Einstein as one of the brightest physicists of his day and of the last 100 years to say the least. Honestly, I can't say enough about him or how his ideas have changed the world for the better. Now, that's not to say that others like Niels Bohr and Nikola Tesla didn't have their respective accomplishments and contributions as well, because they most certainly did, as well as did numerous, numerous others that I do think were overshadowed by Einstein, unfortunately. Anywho, this says to me that even Einstein thought that everything was, at some level, all energy. Speaking of quantum physics, it's a commonly held belief within that realm of science, that there is a vast energy field that we are unable to see materially, which encompasses all possibilities and all realities, but also responds to us and how we think and feel. At the most basic level, it tells us that all material things are comprised of atoms and subatomic particles, and have yet another quantum level or levels below that. The question here is, If we spend most of our time thinking about the very small fraction of our universe that makes up our physical, perceivable reality, then why aren't we thinking about the over 99.99% of our universe that makes up everything else that we don't readily perceive? How can or would we even explore that? I know we're starting to make progress on some levels, scientifically. But my hunch here is that, on a military industrial complex level, they know a great deal more than they're saying about this. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? It Really makes you wonder what else they're hiding from us. More on that in another episode. On another side of this, if everything is energy, what does that say about us as human beings? One idea would say that if everything is energy, then Our organs, our skin, our bones, our muscles, and everything of who we are is made up of this universal energy, including our heart and brain, as well as the magnetic fields they generate. Another thing it says is that there are much greater links between energy, spirituality, and humanity than we know, and it definitely somehow ties in to who we are as human beings. Now, it is being studied by science, but the heart and brain do generate their own magnetic fields, and they are measurable by our current medical and scientific equipment. How cool is that? However, what may not be so commonly known is that our heart's magnetic field is up to 60 times greater than the field put out there by our brains. 60 times greater. So what does that mean exactly? That means our heart is in some ways more powerful than our brain and is more central to our spirituality and who we truthfully are as spiritual beings than we realize or have been told up to this point. If we want to go deeper, think of the idea that the heart may in fact have memory cells of its own. I believe they're called imaginal cells. It's been recorded that heart transplant patients sometimes pick up traits of the people whose hearts they've received. It's thought that our heart's magnetic field contains information about us, about our emotional state, our mental state, our spiritual state, even our physical state, and all sorts of things. And it's almost as if it transmits that out of a sort to be picked up by others around us through their heart's magnetic fields. Now, I may not be doing this justice by any means, but that's a really rough description of how I understand the concept. I'd highly encourage you to research this more It's quite intriguing and very informational. The HeartMath Institute is a great place to start if you're interested. They've been researching this for a long, long time. So let's take this deeper now. If our heart transmits information about our energetic state, then it holds to ask the question, can we then influence this information? Well, the answer would be a resounding yes you can say that our thought patterns positive or negative and our emotions again positive or negative can have a strong impact on this think of how when you walk into a room and someone is upset you can oddly sense it and you sometimes you'll get upset yourself whether it's trying to help them or console them or what have you or say you run into an angry friend and you find yourself getting defensive and or angry as well Or think of how, if you go to a wedding reception, generally, everyone is feeding off the positive vibes. I mean, take your pick of events. But now, if our hearts can pick up on all of this, then does that mean that highly sensitive people, like empaths and telepaths, among many other gifts, can pick up and perceive this information on a bit of a deeper level? I mean, that's saying that HSPs gifted with metaphysical abilities and pick up on the underlying information that's being transmitted from and picked up by our heart's magnetic fields. You could actually take this one step further and say that, to some degree, all human beings are empathic. Otherwise, how would we really be able to relate to how others feel? That's a really deep thought right there. If we go a few steps further on this one, we start getting into conversations of how certain people throughout our history have had incredible creative, scientific, mathematical, technical, or other gifts that to some seem, for lack of a better word, awe-inspiring to say the least. Where do these incredible insights come from if everything is energy? If our hearts can pick up on information from other people, does that mean that on some level now, our hearts are also picking up on information not just from other people, but also from the planet Earth itself, or from the universe or multiverse beyond our little blue dot. We can definitely stand to think that. I mean, it definitely makes sense. So if we could perceive others, then why not everything beyond humans that we thought was non-living, but are slowly realizing is fully alive? Why couldn't we be picking up on universal or multiversal information on some level? Would that explain people like Galileo, Copernicus, Da Vinci, Beethoven, Tesla, and so many others than I can list here? Would a multiversal informational energy field explain how these highly intelligent people became so influential throughout the course of history, whether it was through science spirituality, religion, meditation, or some other means that they picked up on certain information. Friends, there are as many varying methods and practices to pick up on hidden energies as there are people on the planet. In other words, be careful of what information you pick up on and use your intuition to guide you. If we go a few steps further here, we start to see that creative energies are very closely related to sexual energies. Many ancient traditions call these energies many different things, but one I want to focus here is the Sanskrit term kundalini. In certain eastern philosophies, it is believed that kundalini energy, or the source of our life force itself, as well as our sexual energies are very closely aligned, if not one in the same. After all, everything, including each one of us, was somehow created through a type of creative or sexual process. Talking about kundalini energy gets into talking about our body's chakras. Chakras are basically spiritual energy centers in our body, usually seven going from the base of our spine all the way to the top crown of our head. The seven are usually listed in order as the root chakra at the base of our spine, the sacral chakra right below our navel, the solar plexus chakra right around our stomach area, then Above that you have the heart chakra, which sits actually just above the heart itself. Next you have the throat chakra, which obviously is right in the middle of the throat. You have the third eye chakra, which is right in the center of our foreheads, between our eyes. And lastly our crown chakra, right at the top of our head. Now what's even more interesting about this is the color scheme. The colors again from bottom to top are red, orange, yellow. Green. Blue. Indigo. Violet. Anyone remember learning the rainbow acronym Rory G. Biv in school? Now I know where that came from, aside from just the colors of the rainbow. Isn't that cool? So, along with nature itself, the idea may also have come from the Far East. Wouldn't that be something? Going back to talking about Kundalini energy, it's tied in with the idea of Tantra, which is often associated with sexuality and sexual energy. And truthfully, it's hard to know what the difference is between our life energy and our sexual energies, if there even is a difference, since both are very highly creative forces. Now, Kundalini in Hinduism is believed to be a form of divine feminine energy located at the base of the spine. They call this Shakti. This energy can be awakened through practicing Tantra, which in Sanskrit means to loom warp or weave. The commonly held mean- modern meaning is not much different. New Agers now typically associate Tantra with sex thanks to people like Sting, among others. But the practice of Tantra is so much more than that. Since sexual energy is the most central energy to who we are as humans, and is central to our seat of creativity itself, it's not hard to see how these two are intertwined, but it is possible to practice Tantra without sex. It's simply a matter of channeling that energy into some project or something creative that is non-sexual, whether it it be a home project, a work project, a new song, a podcast, a science thing, what have you. Tantra can be practiced sexually, but it does not necessarily have to be solely practiced that way. Opening up your Kundalini energy, whether it be through practicing Tantra or another means, is essentially the idea that we are broadly applying a text, theory, system, method, instrument, technique, or practice to and attempting to weave it into the fabric of our lives. It's the idea that we are opening up our true soul energy, our universal, already balanced, always available, never depleting life force energy. That just blows me away right there. I'll talk more about Kundalini and Tantra in a future episode, though. So, with all this talk about energy, if everything is energy, do we have the ability to change that energy at all or affect it in any way? I personally believe that we do. Well, now, what if we actually did? There's an idea, friends, I want to share with you called energy transmutation, which, spiritually speaking, gets into talking about the universal laws and the law of perpetual transmutation of energy and the law of vibration specifically, which we'll get into more in the next episode. Now energy transmutation is the idea of changing energy of one type into energy of another type. The commonly held beliefs are no, we don't have the ability to change the energy around us. But now if we are meant to be creator beings, then reason would hold that we very well could, in fact, have the ability to transmute energies. Empaths specifically are thought to be naturals at this, but before we go further, let's define what transmutation actually is. It's essentially defined by Oxford Dictionary as, quote, the action of changing or state of being changed into another form, end quote. So, what they're saying is to transmute energy is to change the nature of the energy itself. So, for instance, if you are in a negative mindset and you decide to pick yourself up and do something to change your mindset to a positive one, you have transmuted your energy. That's a very simplistic way to put it, though. Another way I've heard it put is that when we transmute energies into positivity or light, or even into negativity or dark, We are essentially getting high off the energy change. And honestly, that may not be too far from the truth. Simply put, if our energy is typically in one frequency range and we drastically shift it, we will get an energetic high of sorts from the shift, especially if it's in the light direction, or at least from my own experience. This is often because of the drastic frequency and vibrational change. Think about that for a minute. It's really similar to if you've ever used cannabis, which is an inherently spiritual plant. It will raise or lower your vibrational frequency depending on what you ask of it and where your mindset is. So if you're in a low, negative vibrational state and use it, it will most likely quickly raise your vibrational state to being much more positive, thus being partly responsible for the quote, high feeling. The other other part is, as we talked about in the last episode, obviously being in an alternate state of consciousness. This, in a sense, is really helping to transmute our energy, whether we ask the plant to or not. The operative question is, do you want to have a say in what it gets transmuted into? Now also along those lines, you have things like alcohol, music, tobacco, sex, exercise, and so many other things that these all have the ability to change our mindset and subsequently our energy levels. Alcohol typically lowers our vibrational state while sex and exercise can raise it. Music can both raise and lower your vibrational state depending on what type of music you're listening to. Now some keys to transmuting energy are sitting in the light. Let go of yourself and of your ego. Open your heart to forgiveness and gratitude. accept. Embrace and let go of any darkness within. Heal and empower your inner child. Redirect your energy and find joy in everything you are and everything you do. Love and treat yourself kindly. Listen to healing music. And don't let anyone take your power. And don't willingly give up your own power over yourself. Another way to transmute energies, friends, is through sexuality and certain practices and trainings. I won't go there here, but aside from to say if you're interested, look up sexual energy transmutation and that'll get you started. So going back to what I said earlier about empaths, I found a lot of blogs on the internet saying that empaths are here to transmute the world's pain and essentially heal everything and everyone. Now, I'm not sure if this is truth or not. But we have to understand that empaths are people just like you and me. The only difference is, empaths and other metaphysicals have gifts that some of the general population maybe don't, or don't know how to recognize. I also want to clarify too that these gifts are as natural to them as something like breathing. Now one of the gifts that empaths do have is the ability to change energy within our souls but often at the expense of draining our own energies. But here's where we have to be careful. There are also energy vampires who feed off of the energies that people naturally put out. Be careful of these people. You will know who they are based on how drained you feel after your interactions with certain people. If you feel really drained after an interaction with a certain person, chances are they were an energy vampire. Other problem is a lot of people are and don't realize they are. Another problem empaths face specifically is that they tend to be looked down on and taken advantage of in our world at large, often because people feel good around them, as well as because of their high sensitivity. Now I know other highly sensitive people run into this issue as well because they're just taking in so much information from the world around us problem is people get used to these positive energies being released by these people and like energy vampires can seek them out specifically because of the positive energies being put out by them. So what happens with empaths specifically is that they tend to become the dumping grounds for the energetic baggage of others when the reality is we really just feel the emotions and feelings of others as though they are our own. Now I'll go into talking about empaths more in another episode. One last question for us today. If everything is energy, then what about good energy or bad energy? Or light energy or dark energy? Well, the thing about energy is, energy itself is inert. It's inherent, not inherently good or bad, light or dark. It's what we do with the energy that makes it good or bad, or light or dark. It's how we change that energy through our thought patterns and our feelings which all, of course, are energy. Now, we've covered a ton of ground today, from kundalini energy, empaths, transmuting energy, and so on. And when it comes down to it, we circle back to the beginning that everything is energy. Whether we have the ability to affect that energy remains to be seen from a scientific perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, that answer has been known for a long time. Science is only now beginning to find out what some ancient cultures have known for a while, that everything, including us, is energy. So where does this leave us? If everything is energy, what does that say about our spirituality? To me, it says that we have the ability to create and change energy naturally, but most do not know that they have this hidden gift. I think it also says that there is a very real spirituality to the universe as a whole, and there are many things we have yet to understand, and many concepts we have yet to grow into. All in all, I think we have a great deal of learning yet to do on energy and spirituality. I'd like to leave you with four quotes today that talk about energy. Quote, The unknown energy that can help humanity is that which lies hidden in the child. Maria Montessori Quote, where attention goes, energy flows, and where intention goes, energy flows," James Redfield. Quote, energy is the key to creativity, energy is the key to life, William Shatner. And lastly, quote, the energy of the mind is the essence of life, Aristotle. So where is your heart today, friends? Thank you for tuning in to episode six. I sincerely hope you enjoyed today's talk on everything being energy. On our next episode, we're gonna dive into talking about the universal laws and explain what they are, but also touch on the seven hermetic principles and how these all relate to our lives and our spirituality. Again, thank you for tuning in today. I sure hope you'll stay tuned for our next talk next week and join me again out in the universe. Until then, light, love, and blessings to you all.